0: Welcome to the Perfume Room. My scent of the day today is a bit compliqué because you know what folks, when it comes to layering, do as I say, not as I do. What I've learned from past guests on the podcast that I have tried to pass on to all of you is to layer the sillage of your fragrances rather than your fragrances themselves. In other words, if you wanna smell like a combination of multiple fragrances, don't spray them on top of each other because you'll be ruining the formulations. Instead, spray them on different parts of your body so that as people pass you by, they get a little overview of everything you've got going on. And you know what, most times I do do that, But this morning, I was just feeling like smelling like a lot of different scents. So I started with Orpheon, then quickly added Iris Poudre, and then topped it all off with Our Side Dusk. And what I will say is that Orpheon was just hitting the spot so nicely that this evening, as I reapplied before I went out, I opted to go solely with Orpheon. It is one of the closest scents I have to a signature, and today reminded me why. Let's get to our guest today. I am so excited to be chatting with Yusuf Sala, who is currently a student at Isipka, which is one of the world's leading perfumery schools. Though in hindsight, it seems quite obvious, Yusuf could not have imagined that his chemistry degree, lifelong love of fragrance, and experience working as both a sommelier and drag artist would make him the perfect candidate to become a perfumer. But lucky for us, one day in the middle of the pandemic and several hours of YouTube videos in... Everything clicked, and Yusuf knew it was exactly what he was meant to do. Now, almost a year into perfume school, Yusuf feels sure of his path. Today, we chat about everything from what he's studying, to the techniques he uses to commit raw materials to memory, to who he hopes to become as a perfumer, and his vision board for the types of fragrances he will someday create, and of course, the scents and the people who wear them that have been most formative to his olfactive tastes and memories. Here is Yusuf. Youssef, welcome to the Perfume Room, coming live from Paris. How are you doing today?
1: Hi, Emma. Thank you so much for having me. It's actually such an honor to be here. As an avid fan of the podcast and an avid listener, I have to say it's, it's an extreme honor to be a guest. Thank you so much. I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm so excited. I'm great. I'm so excited to have you. And it's funny because I, I I remember when you started following the podcast and like sometimes we would DM. And then I think I like looked at your Instagram one day and I was like, Oh my God, this guy's in perfume school? Like this is, I was yeah. just, it's its fun to, to talk to someone who's...
1: Who's going through it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you are officially going through it. You are a student at Isipka, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Indeed, yes.
0: Okay, let's settle this debate once and for all, because I've had other Isipka guests. Is it Isipka? Isipka? How are you pronouncing it these days?
1: I say Isipka. Isipka. Okay. Yeah, that's how I'm saying it today. It depends on my mood. Sometimes it's Isipka. But for me, it's isipka. Mm-hmm. It has more of a flow for me. How do you say it?
0: You know, I've heard both. I think I, I, think if I'm just like naturally off the cuff, I would say isipka.
1: Isipka, yeah.
0: But you say is isipka? Wait, no. I say now the same I'm, as you. Oh, you say the same. Okay. We and, say okay, the another, same. Now that we're on the topic. Yeah. Do you say narrowly or naroli?
1: Oh, I say narrowly.
0: Me too. Yeah, I but I say sometimes naroli.
1: The thing is, when we're learning the raw materials, our teachers are French. So we mm-hmm. learned some of them with a French accent. Mm-hmm. So it would be Neroli. Right. So that's kind of why I say Neroli as opposed to Neroli.
0: Exactly. Same, exactly. That's exactly what I was told that, the, exactly. that, that French people say Neroli, and so here we are. Et voilà. <laughs> et voilà, Neroli, Neroli, you can say whatever you'd like, but yeah. that is, we're settling the really hard debates. This is me wasting time on the podcast. <laughs> okay, Yusuf, the first question that I ask every guest is, what are you wearing today?
1: I'm wearing nothing today, actually, um, because I had school this morning and we, when we do olfaction, we can't wear fragrance or at least we're told not to wear fragrance. It's, of course, a personal decision. But for me, Mm. I don't want to wear anything that will hinder how I perceive or smell the new materials that we're learning. So Mm -hmm. on school days, olfaction days, strictly no perfume. Um, At the moment, it's kind of just a weekend slash evening going out thing for me. Um, mm. But sometimes I do wear some raw materials on my skin, like if I'm having trouble learning them or coming to terms with them, I put them on my skin, warm them up. And sometimes I wear those. So at the moment, I actually am wearing one raw material. Um, what are you wearing? It's called kephalis, Cephalis. Yeah. Cool. It's I think it's a jive molecule, but it's like a woody kind of woody, ambery molecule, I would say. Mm-hmm. Hints of tea, cardamom. It's like super well-rounded and has mm-hmm. so many facets that I really love. So sometimes I just put that on my skin, just a little bit behind each neck mm-hmm. and just kind of feel its, its aura on me. <laughs> yeah.
0: How many raw materials um, are you expected to know by by memory, by heart, by the time you graduate school?
1: So I think it's around 800. Um, wow. Yeah. So this year so far, we're halfway. Um, I mean, the, the year is nearly up, but we've studied 400 so far.
0: So you've committed 400 raw materials to memory?
1: Uh, y- yes, <laughs> I would hope so. What is, I mean,
0: that, what is that process? Like, how do you do that? And how do you identify them? And do you have things in your head that like signal like, oh, I'm smelling this molecule? Like, what is, what is that for you?
1: Of course, it's really difficult. And everyone has their own way of learning the, the raw materials. And for me, I have to like make links. That's how I do it. So I will always link it to a person, a place or a thing or a feeling that I've experienced before. Um. And because some of the materials like the synthetics, for example, they're so abstract, it's really hard to, to find links like that. But for me, it's kind of important Mm -hmm. because there's no other way that I can learn it for me specifically. Like, this is the strangest thing I've ever done because I've been in school before I've had to memorize stuff like writing and prose, but I've never had to memorize smells. It's like the strangest experience ever Mm because usually like you probably know yourself from smelling perfume and fragrance. You kind of just get it in your memory after a few couple of times smelling it. Right. And that's kind of the same way with the raw materials too. But there's an added layer of they may have like really horrendous names that are super long that are impossible to learn or mm-hmm. they're synthetic and abstract. And they I can't link them to a thing that exists in nature that they don't, they don't actually exist in nature. They're completely artificial. So it's difficult. But for me, I like to make links. So yeah. Can you can you give an idea.
0: example of like one that was particularly hard for you to commit to memory and what made it so difficult?
1: Yeah, there's one. <laughs> there's one really interesting synthetic which has it's like a very you know boring synthetic name dimethyl sulfide. Mm-hmm. But after a while, I was like, "What does this smell like?" And I could not get it. I was constantly like, "This is on the tip of my brain. I know what this smells like, but I cannot for the sake of me like place it." Mm-hmm. It smells like corn on the cob covered in butter.
0: Wow. Okay. Like straight up. Okay.
1: So once but now that, that clicks, you've made
0: that connection. You'll I'll never, never forget, forget it.
1: it. I'm never going right. to forget it. So that's really fun, and that happens a lot, actually. So yeah, that's mm. kind of that's kind of fun.
0: So are you at a point where you can identify like isolated materials in an accord? Like, would you be expected to be able to pull that out of some sort of formulation?
1: I mean, in our actual curriculum, no, but mm-hmm. I probably could a little bit. I mean, like we're at the moment where we're still learning the palette. So we're still getting to ter- come to terms with the, the, the materials and like trying to learn all of the ingredients. Mm-hmm. And next year will be a lot of that kind of like extrapolation, getting accords, trying to figure out what's inside, breaking them down, pulling them apart. But at the moment, mm-hmm. we're just learning the materials. Um, but it's interesting because when we first started like six months ago and we were learning naturals. Trying to explain them was really funny because um, my class is so diverse and like international. There's people from all over the world. And Mm -hmm. so when I would smell tuberose, I would have a completely different reaction than somebody else who's from India smelling tuberose, for example. Do you know? Right, right. Um, Yeah. So we would have so much fun like discussing the materials and finding the language to describe them. Mm -hmm. But yeah. At the beginning, I was describing them with words that I knew and could like hold. But now with the synthetics, I find myself describing some synthetic smells with other synthetic smells, if that makes sense. So it's just the vocabulary is widening. I'm just becoming more eloquent, I guess, in the way of describing. And yeah, so that's kind of how I feel now. It's really fun.
0: Let's go back a few steps. You were talking about having people in your classroom all over the world. And obviously there is a, there is an accent here. Mm. When we initially spoke, um, I told you that you sounded like Connell, (laughs) um, from normal people because that's my, that's my, you know, the deep Irish voice. I was like, Oh, Connell. (laughs) And so what were some of the smells of your childhood? Where in Ireland did you grow up? And, and what was your relationship to fragrance before you went to Isipka?
1: Sure. So actually, I was I was born in Bahrain, which is in the Middle East. Oh, it's okay. a very small country, kind of like nestled in between Kuwait and Saudi and all of these countries. And so I lived there for like five years. My father is from there. Um, and I moved to Ireland when I was five. So, I mean, I've grew up in Ireland. Like, it's all I know, basically. Of course, I have memories from Bahrain, too. But my core memories are from Ireland and that's my home. Mm-hmm. But yeah, growing up in Ireland, I was kind of... <laughs> I was exposed to a lot of scents, but not good ones, (laughs) Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. like if we're talking about fragrances, for example, I grew up in the 2000s, I think you're the same. And all of the blockbusters were like very much present in my life, like around me at school, my mum, my aunties, family members, everybody was wearing scents, those designer scents of the time. And I have so many core memories of those. And it's funny now that I'm studying them in school the links are immediately there. Like, right. I'll smell Euphoria, and I'm like, my mum wore Euphoria, or I'll smell Lodi and it's like, my auntie Emer wore Say. You know, like, I make these links, like, immediately. I think you do it, too. You know, it's like, it's yeah, so, yeah. yeah, of course. Um, but Ireland itself is, it's fragrant in a way that's interesting because it's, I grew up in the, in, the, in the Midlands, kind of, not countryside, countryside, but, like, town countryside, so, like, kind of half and half. So I wasn't, like on a farmyard. I think a lot of people associate Ireland with like farmyard and like animal and hay and all uh, that's kind of not what I was growing up around. But I have to say, um, I would spend time with the bogs, you know, like peat. Like that's something that is really, I love the smell of peat and of turf.
0: <laughs> Wait, when you say peas, like, like P-E-A-S, like peas?
1: P-E-A-T, peat.
0: Pete, Oh, I'm like, you lost me when you said bog and peat. Okay, Sorry, so like a yes. Bog, a bog is like water and...
1: Uh, a bog is like a huge part of land where they like take uh, peat from and turn it into turf, which we use to like fire and heat our homes mm, <laughs> and wow. put in our agas, which are like little cookers. <laughs>
0: okay, very different, very different yeah, from what yeah, I'm used to.
1: Yeah, it sounds like Middle Earth, but it's actually not really like Middle Earth. It's kind of normal.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, it's, norm, it's relative to wherever you are. Right? Exactly, I mean, I, exactly. I, the only bog I've ever heard of is like a cranberry bog, which I've seen in like cranberry juice commercials, but okay, I'm not yeah. a, I didn't grow up around like bog. So what were you studying? When did you sort of have this aha moment that you were going to pivot to perfumery? Cause I know this wasn't always the, the track you were on.
1: Yeah, no. So I actually studied science in university. I studied chemistry. Um, because when I was in school, science was my one true love and it was really the only thing that I was like super passionate about. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: and I really loved chemistry all through my teens. Um, so naturally I just studied chemistry. I didn't really know what I wanted to do per se. Like I had no, I had no vision of myself in my mind, what I wanted to do, but I studied chemistry and it was really tough. Like I have to admit it was really, really hard. And halfway through my degree, I actually took some time out and Uh, I started working in a wine bar because I wanted to save money. I wanted to have a break. I was a bit overwhelmed. I started working in this wine bar. And I mean, I liked wine, of course, but then I, like, I loved wine. And I was working in this bar and I was meeting all these people and tasting all this wine. And I really started to develop this palette around wine. And it was mostly tasting, of course, but there is the element of smelling with wine, as you know. And you picking up the notes and you're talking about the like the various smells. And that was the first time that I got kind of excited about like smelling something and describing it. Mm-hmm. So I worked there for a couple of years and I was like, am I going to go back to university? Do I f- even finish this chemistry degree? Because at that time I was like, I'm going to be working with wine for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So I kind of was talking to friends and they were like, no, you should go back and finish. And uh, ultimately, I did go back and finish my degree, which I'm so happy for because I just I'm I'm glad that I have it. But after that, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was completely lost. Um, I decided to move to Berlin like on a whim. Um, so yeah, I moved to Berlin straight after graduation, and there I was working with wine a bit. Um, when I was in Dublin, still I worked as a sommelier for the last like two years, basically. So it was really a lot of wine, a lot of tasting, a lot of smelling. Um, and yeah, when I moved to Berlin, I did that for a little bit, but I kind of fell into a completely different world then, which was makeup and beauty. And I actually worked as a a drag artist for four years. Mm
0: -hmm. So what's your drag name?
1: Her name is Persia.
0: Persia. Oh, yeah. Love that for you.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. She's quite, she's, she's quite the creature, I have to say, but, Mm. um, this was really the first time where I felt like I was expelling creative energy up mm-hmm. until this point, I was science and sciencey and very scientific. And I think I was never encouraged to do artistic or creative things when I was growing up, not because it was frowned upon just because it wasn't something that like my parents did or my family really did, you know, like right. we were kind of, we went to school and we did the the normal things, but this mm-hmm. was really the first time where I had this like creative outburst and, It was really, really fun. So in those four years, I learned so much about myself. And the thing for me that was so exciting about performing and doing drag and makeup was telling stories. I -hmm. I felt like I had had things to say that I wanted people to hear. And Mm -hmm. I felt like by doing that, people were resonating with them. And I would have people coming up to me after shows and saying, you know, that really touched me. Or like, I really relate to you about that. And I really felt that. And for me, it was like, it was so incredible to... To find a thing that kind of was a culmination of all of my interests—it was music, it was fashion, it was makeup, it was beauty, it was storytelling—all these things are something are things that really inspire me on a daily basis. So finding drag was something incredible for me, and I'm like, I'm really happy that I that I got to to do that. I mean, I, I haven't done it since I moved to Paris, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: never say never. I think yeah, that's kind of the thing about this new kind of trajectory that I'm on. Again, it feels like everything that I've done in my life up to this point kind of has been leading towards perfume and fragrance and, and scent design and creation. Like, I feel like I'm in the right place right now and I'm turning 30 this year and I'm very excited to turn 30. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just feel like I'm on a very, I'm on a very new path and let's see, let's see where it goes.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like you are combining your science background with your interest in beauty and arts and perfume is the perfect marriage of all of those things so many people get into perfume without the science background and are sort of at a disadvantage Mm -hmm. because they're playing catch-up and so it's interesting that you came in more from the scientific side wondering what you would do with that degree and you're parlaying it into something that speaks to all of your artistic endeavors
1: yeah totally and it's interesting because of course i do have a scientific background but there's some people in my class who don't have a scientific background and Mm -hmm. when we're kind of discussing at the beginning like is this difficult for you? Like, how are you finding it? And they were feeling a bit overwhelmed that, you know, they didn't, they didn't come from science. And it's funny, even though I did come from science, I also felt a bit overwhelmed. It was so long, but the break in between me graduating and me starting this program that like, I kind right. of forgot all the science, you know, like I was so right. in the art world and, and the creative stuff that I kind of, I forgot that I'm technically a scientist, which is kind of hilarious to even admit, but yeah, it's true.
0: Yeah, I know that the work that you're doing in school is a lot, because even as we've been messaging that like so many times I've you've been saying, oh, I'll be studying for exams or I'm studying that night or I'm not doing anything because I'm studying. What is that sort of work life balance and what does studying look like in perfumery school?
1: It's yeah, it's it's tough. I feel like I'm never not studying, if I'm very honest, um, mm-hmm. because we have so many materials to learn. And because I love it so much, I also don't feel like I am studying in a way. I get home and I open my materials and I just smell all of them. And I'm just, I think Mm. ultimately I'm just really curious. Do you have roommates
0: on a side note?
1: I do have roommates, yes. Yes.
0: Uh, so that you must have a very fragrant apartment. That's why I
1: ask. I mean, it's all kind of like contained in my room. But sometimes they come yeah. in. I can sh- I show them the treasure chest, and I'm like, "What do you mm-hmm. want to see? What do you want to smell?" I feel like a little, yeah. like a little owner of a little haberdashery uh, of scent. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's really fun. And if my friends come over, that they see the materials, everyone's just like amazed. Mm-hmm. Like what? Because it it's really like I'm not going to lie. It's so intense. It's it's kind of the craziest thing I've ever done. And sometimes I have to like pinch myself that I'm actually doing this. But I'm so happy, and I just feel so grateful to be able to do it and like have access to these materials that are just so incredible so yeah studying for me is um a lot of smelling mostly we're just smelling this year as i said we're learning the materials getting to know them so it's a lot of excel spreadsheets it's a lot of smelling it's a lot of blind testing it's a lot of yeah it's a lot of that
0: hmm and what is the admissions process to get into Isipka? Like once you decided, wow, I need, you had told me before when when we were talking before this interview that you sort of had this moment that like brought you to tears when you mm. realized that you wanted to go to mm. perfumery school. Like what was that moment and what, what was the admissions process after that?
1: Sure, yeah, of course. Um, so during the pandemic, uh, as I was saying, I was working as a drag artist and a performer and I lost all of my work in the pandemic and it was really, soul crushing and really stressful actually because I hadn't I had no backup plan you know I was like if this doesn't work what am I going to do and so I really had to like take a step back sit down reassess essentially everything and I went back to the drawing board and I was like what am I interested in what do I see myself doing in the future like what what do I want to do and I was I want to tell stories I want to be creative I want to do I want to perform I'm not really sure but I think ultimately I knew I wanted to be creative, work somewhere in the arts. I had this background in makeup and makeup design, so th- that was always there as well. And during the pandemic, I just got really really into into fragrance. I always was into fragrance. I as a teenager, I spent all my pocket money on fragrance and that was something that was very much present in my life, but it was never something that I thought I could do afterwards. Like the fact now that right. I I went to I went to science school, like I studied chemistry and science and didn't immediately pursue perfume It's like I'm kicking myself now because I feel like not that I wasted 10 years of course everything I've done has has led up to this moment and I have so much right. experience and, and 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 things to say but yeah there's people in my class who were like 10 years younger than me and I'm like oh my god if only my brain was you know that agile like I really wish I was that age now starting this but again it, it's all relative obviously mm-hmm. um so yeah during the pandemic I was uh I was very confused and I think I was looking up like, like a two week summer course of fragrance and the GIP, the Grass Institute of Perfumery have a two week course. And I, I was looking up that because I just wanted to learn a bit more about, about scent and about fragrance mm-hmm. creation. I was watching all of the YouTube videos. I was on Fragrantica literally 24 seven reviews, buying sample sets, buying discovery kits.
0: What's your Fragrantica handle? Drop the handle. Do you I don't actually reviews? have an
1: account. No, I don't leave reviews. Oh, Okay. Okay. I'm like a silent, I'm a silent watcher. I see but that, yeah. this was really funny. I discovered yours by accident. I mean, oh, I don't really? know if you, have you ever like share? have you disclosed your Fragrantica handle? Yeah, Probably there was like ever. one
0: episode where I did it. And then in my bio, because people, I started saying things in TikToks where people will be like, so-and-so already said this on Fragrantica. And I was like, oh, I'm like, so-and-so on Fragrantica. Oh, okay. Like that's me. I wrote it and then I made a video about it. Okay. Um, it was, but it, yeah, yeah, I disclosed it.
1: Okay, okay. You no, know, because it's funny, I kind of had like an aha moment with that because I was listening to one of your episodes where you were talking about Tangerine Boy mm-hmm. and your mom having Tangerine Boy. Yeah. And then I was like on for granted, like weeks later, and mm-hmm. I was looking at reviews of Tangerine Boy. You saw it. I saw that this I really that. long one. And I was like, that sounds exactly like Emma. And it was you, it I is think. Me. Yeah. It I is guess me. So. It is yeah, me. Yeah.
0: yeah I, I originally made it to be anonymous, and that's why I made an alias emerson because it sounds like <laughs> it when my name is not so emerson. original and then, yeah. so original <laughs> and then i was just like what am i doing like it's so obvious if anyone truly listens to this podcast and knows my taste and looks up any of the perfumes i talk about on Fragrantica, you'll see that like there's one person who writes about all the perfumes i talk about it's mm, obviously it's you me.
1: the gatekeeper of Fragrantica.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah um, um okay so you were you were peeping for you were Watching all the videos you were looking up, I think we've all, I think everyone who listens to this podcast has contemplated a two-week perfumery course at grass. I haven't done it, but I, course, I get it. You I should know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so anyway, yeah, I was doing that. And then I was, while I was just in this like rabbit hole of fragrance careers, I stumbled upon the master's program at Isipca and there was some, there was like a four-part or five-part YouTube series basically highlighting the course. Have you watched those?
0: I haven't gone that deep, but okay, I have yeah. To now. So that's quite deep. But yeah. anyway,
1: so I watched those videos and I started like bawling, crying, <laughs> in my bed at home because it just felt like we were going through I
0: was, something. It was I, I was going <laughs> through it really,
1: and this video just came to me, and I watched the videos and I was like, "This is it. This is the moment. This is the aha moment mm-hmm. that I had." I was like, "This is what I want to do for the rest of my life," and mm-hmm. it, it's it at the time it just seemed so correct, like that was it.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: And so I was like really looking at this course and I was you know checking the list of requirements and I was like me me tick 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 I felt like I ticked all the boxes and yeah they were looking for someone with a science background who was creative who was right. like passionate about fragrance and I just felt like that it was made for you yes yeah. Yeah. So yes so that was that I have to say I was really um hesitant to apply for quite a while because I knew it was daunting from watching the videos and from hearing experiences I knew that it was maybe daunting to get in you know it was quite a an involved process. Um, I would hate to have been rejected also. That kind of played on my mind a little bit. You know, like I almost didn't apply for the fear of not getting in. You know, that kind of Mm -hmm. almost held me back. But I went for it in the end.
0: Guys, huge, epic, big announcement. I am so excited to share that a longtime friend of the podcast has just become an official partner of the podcast. Twisted Lily, my go-to destination for authentic, hard-to-find niche and luxury fragrances is sponsoring perfume room for the entire month and is hooking you all up with a special larger than normal discount code, which I will share with you all shortly. I mean, come on, as if we did not already stand Twisted Lily enough, but we do, and this is an ad. So let me tell you why. Twisted Lily fragrances are 100% authentic, brand new, and straight from the source. So there is never a chance that you'll receive something that's fake or expired. Also, Twisted Lily makes online fragrance shopping easy and fun. You can sort fragrances by brand, price, fragrance family, even mood. And if you're looking for a little more guidance, use my personal favorite feature, the Match It tool. Enter the name of any fragrance you love, and it'll tell you not only its fragrance family, it recommends three other Twisted Lily scents that you are likely to enjoy. Then, you click one button, and all three of those samples get immediately added to your cart. And I'll say it on record, Twisted Lily samples are the best. I said what I said, and I mean it. You know why? Because they're all atomizers. Yeah, sprays. And if you're celebrating Mother's Day, which is May 14th, this would make a perfect gift. Thoughtful, personal, activity centered. Check, check, check. Patience is a virtue. So here is the code. Now, through the end of June, get $25 off any purchase over $100 with the code perfume room at checkout. Again, that's just perfume room at checkout for $25 off anything over $100. I will post all my favorite Twisted Lily scents in the notes of this episode.
1: It's a cover letter and you submit your CV. And then after this, you will get uh, an interview, like a first interview. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: After that, uh, you will be invited to take an OIT, which is an olfactive intelligence test. This is where they objectively test your nose. Um, You can't really study or prepare for that. You just kind of go in blind and I have to admit, it was one of the the most fun things I've ever done in my life.
0: What is the test like?
1: I can't disclose much. I had to sign an NDA, of course. Okay, okay, okay.
0: And you are talking about your peers being from all over the world, a lot of them being a little bit younger than you. Is there a typical, like, ISIPCA student?
1: No, I actually don't think there is. Um, Of course, as time is going by, and I think people are more and more aware of the the role of a perfumer. Like um, when I was younger, I had no idea that perfumers existed. Um, I knew fragrances existed, but I didn't know that they were made by people, you know, like me or that are interested in these kinds of things. So Mm -hmm. I think as time goes on and as kind of, I feel like fragrance is so buzzy at the moment, you know, Mm -hmm. it's really happening. It's really going off, I feel. And I do think that as more people are becoming aware of this role, it's, uh, more people are going to be applying to places like sipka and, uh, and other training programs because there's just probably going to be more demand. But the ideal sipka student, no, I don't think so. I think um, if you're curious about smell and scent, if you enjoy smelling things, if you're creative, if you have a background in science, uh, if you mm-hmm. feel like you have something you want to to tell people or, and to offer to the world, then, yeah, Isipka is is the place for you.
0: Yeah, I've had some other guests on the podcast who are graduates of the program, and a lot of them have talked about how not everybody who goes there is trying to be a perfumer. Some people are trying to become evaluators or not necessarily fine fragrance perfumers. But for you, the goal has always been fine fragrance perfumer, right?
1: Yeah, for me, I, I want to be a fine fragrance perfumer. Of course, I'm open and I'm, I'm not going to close myself off to anything that that comes up. Um, evaluation is something that I find really interesting as well. I think like with every amazing perfumer comes an amazing evaluator who right. needs to be on hand to to make sure that they that they together create the the perfect fragrance. So I think, yeah, there's so many avenues to go down Of course, my dream is fine fragrance and that's kind of what I'm working towards. But who knows what's going to happen along the way. I'm like, I'm very open minded. Uh, But yeah, I think fine fragrance is where is where my heart is.
0: So who are some of your fine fragrance inspirations? I guess also now what's interesting is now knowing what you know now. Has your opinion changed of like what was the gold standard prior to getting into perfumery school? Mm. What do you love now and what what changed for you, if anything at all?
1: Hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I was always interested in fragrances, as I've said, but I didn't know anything about perfumers. I had no idea who made said perfumes. I had no idea what was in the like what went along in the process behind it. Um, so now that I'm immersed in this world and I'm learning about who created what and the fragrances that I like and the ones that I don't like. Yeah, my, my, my mind has changed a lot about so many things. Um, mm-hmm. Off the top of my head, perfumers that I really, I really admire. Of course, Dominique Robillon is one of one of them. He's, mm-hmm. he's an absolute master of, of his craft. And funnily enough, I was never personally into florals before I started this course. Mm-hmm. And now I am com- did a complete 360. Like I'm obsessed with florals, yes. like obsessed.
0: I think everyone sort of goes through that on their olfactive journeys of just like their noses, their taste changing. Uh, yeah, because of I, I can think of so many fragrances that I used to never I used to hate orange blossom scents. Mm-hmm. I just I I just never wanted to smell like that. And now I douse myself in orange blossom scents. They're like amazing. All the, it's, yes. I don't know if it's similar in the in the wine world too, but things um that once were repulsive to me are now so compelling to me. And I don't know exactly why that is.
1: Oh my God, absolutely. And I think like, it's probably down to the fact that you're training your nose as well by smelling all these fragrances, like finding out what you like, what you dislike. Of course, you're Mm -hmm. you're building more of a vocabulary around that. And for me, in my mind, there's no such thing as this smells gross and this smells amazing. It's all a spectrum. And even the thing, it's a spectrum. And the things that smell in quote unquote gross, I always try to find something beautiful in those smells. I think that's something that I try to, to do when I'm learning, when I'm like, when I'm approaching this, this area is that of course you're going to get like the castoriums and the civets and these intense alimalic notes and fragrances, but I try to find the beauty in them. And I think there's always something that you can grab out of it. That's, that's pleasant or that you can, it's about your mindset too. You know, if you go into it Mm -hmm. being like, Oh, this smells disgusting. It's going to smell disgusting if you approach it with a sense of curiosity, like, okay, this doesn't smell anything. What do I smell? What do I like? What do I dislike? It's so much easier to kind of, to kind of, um, to change your mind that way, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, so many beautiful fragrances are inspired by something funky. And I remember when Mm. you and I were DMing at one point, you described, I can't remember which fragrance it was, but you said something smelled like I think you said like clean pubic hair or like yes. something like that. And I was just like, honestly, though, that is sexy and appealing to the right consumer. Like that's yes. a It's a feral, but, but, you know, hygienic sort of appealing thing. If you want like a skin, a sexy mm. skin scent. Right. Mm. Do you remember which scent it was? Or Oh, my
1: God. Do I remember which scent it was? No. I remember the one that you recommended to me. You recommended Fleur de Sable to me. Right.
0: Oh, we were talking about Laquita Imaginaire.
1: Yes, we were. We were yes. talking about oh yes, I had recommended one liquid imaginary to you. Yes, um, yes. Beau... Uh, uh, what's it called? Belbet. Be- yes, Be- bell
0: Belbet okay, yes. Belbet.
1: Mm-hmm. And it smelled like it smelled like glamorous kind of pubic hair. And then you mm-hmm. recommended Fleur de Sable to me, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, Fleur de Sab, and then I think I also said Fleur which was is like ah, okay. uh Dinky Marseille soap at the same time, okay, like it's okay, like okay. on the it's like big a bit. I believe it's cumin. I have to look it up, but it's like an animalic Marseille soap, and simultaneously smells clean and dirty. And I just like I love it for that exact reason. Amazing. And then Bleu de Blurtisab is like just like a really pretty sort of like juicy. In your face, rose. That's not sweet, no, but it is not. fruity. Yeah, it's but it's just it's just interesting actually. with like a pimento note. It's really it's a fun one.
1: Yeah, and I have actually on this on this line, have you smelled the new uh, Nazamato fragrance, Sado Nazo?
0: I am obsessed with the marketing for it. It's but a whole last movie. No, I haven't, but I heard it actually doesn't smell that animalic.
1: So I actually bought have it. You I, it? Okay. Yeah, I bought it. I bought the the special edition, obviously. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, okay. Truly phallic edition Truly for everyone phallic. who's listening, who would like a visual. It <laughs> is a penis lid. Yeah, exactly. The tip, just the tip, just just the tip, the tip. just the tip.
1: Yeah. Um. So I, I bought this after smelling it in the, in the in the store because I was completely besotted by it. Um. It doesn't, to me, smell anything like the the advertisements. Personally.
0: How would you describe the advertisements for people who are unfamiliar? So
1: if people are unfamiliar, like it, it shows these two people entering this dark room in, I'm guessing, Berlin, and they go through this black hall. and there's people, you know, in fetish gear, there's rubber, there's a lot of sweat, there's steam, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of, it it just kind of. Some hints sort of this like
0: dungeon, like BDSM dungeon type BDSM of. BDSM
1: dungeon. And I think ultimately mm-hmm. at the end, the, the advertisement culminates with. People sweat dripping off them into a hole in the ground, which is then collected by the perfumer in the basement. And that they, that's essentially the smell. Mm-hmm. So I was like, OK, this is going to be really skanky latex. It's probably going to be quite fecal, like urine. Mm-hmm. I had all these crazy ideas in my head because, you know, the brand, it's like they, they don't they don't shy away from right. um, from from topics do, like I that. I love
0: that brand. I do. Yeah, I yeah. love it
1: so much too as well. Um, so I got my hands on Sado Nazo and it didn't smell anything like that. It really didn't what smell I've heard. anything. Yeah. And I was so surprised. Like. What does it uh, smell like?
0: Because I haven't had a chance to smell it yet.
1: It's super musky. It's super powdery, actually. And mm. for me, when I first smelled it, it's it, it's very honey. It's a lot of honey. And so, oh. yeah, it's, it's very animalic in the way that beeswax is animalic. You know, it kind of okay. has this kind of dried pea toilet seat, but it's not like it's very subtle and it's mm-hmm. mostly musk and for me mm-hmm. i get a bit of aris and yeah it's very musky powdery there's a slight gourmand f- i mean it's 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 essentially a gourmand but for me it's right. not super gourmand like i think the closest thing to it for me is like mugler's amen pure tonka i don't know if you smell that one
0: i haven't smelled that one
1: okay so yeah the Saturnazo, it's very coumarin it's very tonka if you at in the base but yeah it's great
0: Wow. It's a good one. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. The marketing of a fragrance says so much. So, yeah. So, so I'm curious, what were some of the fragrances, you know, you were talking about how you used to save all your money mm-hmm. and buy fragrances, like what was, um, young Yusuf wearing?
1: Oh yeah. I wore basically everything that was available to me at the time. Um, and I was a super, super oversprayer. Like I would go through a bottle in a month. <laughs> I was really bad. Oh shit.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. I
1: was bad. We I know what bad.
0: we're working with here. Yeah. Yes.
1: So, I mean, I've always been a huge consumer of fragrance. I wore everything under the sun. I think the one that I loved the most, I actually bought like three or four bottles, was uh, Givenchy Pour Homme. Mm-hmm. Really old. I think it was released in 2002. Do you know it? It's got like the red cap and it's...
0: I know the bottle, but I don't know if I, you know, because if it was like an old release of a men's cologne, I'm probably not as familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Had, no, I no, wasn't no. really smelling them then, but... Tell and me of
1: about course, it. No, I think from my memory, I don't really remember so much anymore, but it, it was like fresh woody. It was very like mm. office and sophisticated and sexy in my mind. So mm-hmm. that's something I wore a lot. I wore a lot of, and I, I know this is not the right pronunciation, but I wore a lot of jupe om, yup. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Do was, you say youp? It's yup. That's how you pronounce it. But I say jupe.
0: You are blowing my, this has been an episode of pronunciation. Yes, mind blower. today. It's yup. om?
1: Yeah. Because it's German.
0: Never in my life did I even suspect that it wasn't, was anything but jupe.
1: Same. I mean, like, I've called it jupe my entire life, but it's actually yup. Like, if you want to say it properly. yup. Jupp. Yeah. yup
0: ohm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. But
1: for the sake of this, we're going to call it jupe.
0: Okay, jupe. And now that you're on the other side and you sort of maybe know too much, what are some fragrances that you just, whether you wear them or not, you're just like, this is masterful.
1: Yeah, for sure. There's so many. Um... I think one that really, really stands out to me, it's one that I'm um, obsessed with, and it's probably my favorite scent of all time. It's Fee on a by Serge mm. Do you know, know that
0: one. Yes, I do.
1: It's, I, I, I can't remember ever being so bowled over by a, a perfume in my entire life. Like I smelled it for the first time and I was like, what on earth is this? I had never mm-hmm. smelled anything like it before. Now that I'm studying and I, I know what kind of notes are in it, it's like, okay, yeah, great. But I think... It's just such a master, such a masterful perfume, and Christopher Sheldrake who, who created it. He did a lot of the Serge Lutens. He's one of my favorite perfumers of all time, just because right. I I love Serge Lutens so so much. I think
0: me too.
1: You I know. I think your first one was Santal majuscule no?
0: Yes, it was mine was... too. Really?
1: That was mine ah. too.
0: Oh my god, I fell I love in love so with much. that in the basement of this department store that no longer exists in New York called Barney's. I feel like so many guests I have on this podcast, Serge Lutens is like a gateway for them for into, sure. there's something so there's something so magical about those fragrances and no matter how many other niche and or luxury brands i try as i go further and further i still go back to that bottle of santal majestu school which i don't even i think it's discontinued now or you can only Is get it, it on there uh, you can't get it in this well i don't think you can even get Serge Luton's in the states anymore but i don't see it quite frequent i don't know maybe okay, you can yeah. order it off their website
1: yeah no, I love Serge Luton so much. But yeah, so, Fiona Ghee is one of my favorite scents of all time. I think it's so mm. beautiful that f- the fear balsam, the dried fruits, like the yeah, incense. Yeah, it's very piney. It's, it's yeah. so piney. It's so sappy and honeyed and just it's so delicious. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, but there's yeah. many, like I, I love so many, so many fragrances. I think Portrait of a Lady is one that it will have beautiful. a very close place in my heart. It's, it's so beautiful. And actually last Christmas, I gifted it to my mom.
0: It was. Oh, it's the first so niche
1: one that I got for her, and she was obsessed with it. So I think she's going to be wearing. I I, I did a mistake because now I'm going to have to buy it for her every single year. I think.
0: Yeah, you've, you've but it's fine. Made the standard I've very set high. the bar
1: so high, I, but yeah.
0: Portrait of a Lady. I feel like so many fragrances, since its um, popularity, have tried to sort of come out with their answer to it. Yes, like this is yes. this is our roseberry patchouli fragrance. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. there's something about that one that will just never. I've smelled so many in a in yes. that overarching genre and there's something that just always pulls me back to Portrait of a Lady
1: no it totally reigns supreme it totally reigns supreme and uh yeah as much as I, I like I bought a bottle of Portrait of a Lady for myself two years ago I don't wear it anymore but mm-hmm. I love it so much and it's in, it's in my collection and I really I really treasure it another one that I used to wear which I could never put on me now is Oud Ispahan mm,
0: you know I is that <laughs> that's the Dior scent right <laughs> that's the
1: Dior one yeah
0: you know, I haven't actually, if I've smelled it, it's only been in store because I feel like so many people have talked about that one and I, it's yeah. very, it's like a rose oud, right? It's a
1: rose oud, yes, of course, yeah. but it's it's so sharp and screeching and intense mm-hmm. and at the time I loved it so much, but I, I couldn't put it anywhere near me anymore. I think I, I went mm-hmm. through a phase of like rose oud and that was literally all I wore exclusively Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites is Sant'Al Royale by Guerlain also. Do you know this one? Mm. It's another rose-oud yes. yeah, combo. Yeah, beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah,
1: it's beautiful. But I, yeah, I, I kind of... Yeah, bu- you overdid it. I overdid it and now I'm uh, I'm paying the price now. I mean, I my taste has really changed since then. It's changing quite rapidly as well. Uh, at the moment, I, I'm i really drawn to incense scents. I love labdanum a lot and it's something mm-hmm. that I gravitate towards. Olibanum, uh, these mm-hmm. are notes that I really love. Um... I've been wearing a lot of Reptile by Celine recently. Do you know it?
0: I don't know. I don't know that one. Do they
1: stock Celine in New York?
0: So I think Celine is mainly only, it might only be sold at the Celine store. I'm not okay. sure. Someone's probably listening to this being like, you're wrong, Emma. But I have to go to, I think I have to go to a Celine. The same way with like Louis Vuitton, how you have to go into their boutique to smell their fragrances. Mm-hmm. I think it's a similar situation.
1: Go and check them out. They're amazing. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. I haven't really smelled too many of the Celine fragrances. So, okay. So you, you mentioned you got your mom, you gifted your mom portrait of a lady. Mm
1: -hmm. Was she
0: sort of wearing scents in that genre or are you sort of like opening up a new category to her?
1: I think, I think it did open a, a new category to her. She, she wore a lot of fragrance too when I was growing up. She, she never had a signature scent. She always kind of flitted between genres. She, she loves Daisy by Marc Jacobs. She wore that for quite a while Mm-hmm. um oh pomegranate noir was a huge one for her like that was that was i think the closest that she's gotten to a signature scent okay um which i actually i really really love pomegranate noir i think it's really beautiful um mm-hmm. very christmasy to me as someone who doesn't celebrate christmas
0: i'm like this is this is what i think christmas smells
1: like it's very christmasy yeah so yeah she wore a lot of you know euphoria she wore gucci guilty there was all of these kinds of scents going around and mm-hmm. i think when i when I kind of started saving up money and I was buying presents for her, I always gifted her perfume. So she would kind of wear what I, what I gifted her in a a way, but she, she really enjoyed it. And she was very open-minded when it came to scent. Mm -hmm. But um, I think Portrait of a Lady now has set the bar. She never wore like a rose fragrance before. And she would always say like, Oh, I hate rose. You know, it's so, so old lady or it's so like, you know, mature. But Mm -hmm. um, I think Portrait of a Lady really changed her mind. It's so beautiful.
0: I think that's a good segue into a question that I forgot to ask you at the beginning, which is, do you have any fragrance hot takes or controversial opinions?
1: Oh yeah, this is a tough one for me because I do and I don't. Like, okay, So I was thinking about this and I think the biggest hot take, I don't know if if, if it even if it even is a hot take or a controversial mm-hmm. opinion, but the overuse of like ambery woody notes in like blockbuster male fragrances, it drives me insane. Like, I, Can you give some examples? I hate them. Like... Invictus, for example, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like an overdose of like Timberol or sedramber. or one of these, it's like a synthetic molecule that's, I can only describe it as like piercing and screechy. Do you know what I mean? Mm, I do know what you mean. smell it on the street and yes. it's like, it pierces your brain.
0: That's kind of how I feel about Black Orchid, you know, like.
1: Oh yeah, Black Orchid for me is so screechy. There's
0: something piercing and screechy in it. And it's like this, the concept of it is so cool. And it just takes it, like there's just an overdose. And you probably know the molecule of what the overdose is that I don't. But there's just something that puts it over the edge that's like screechy for me.
1: It's so is that screechy. sort of similar
0: to what you're talking about? Or?
1: Yeah, and it's I think because I'm studying the the compounds and I and the molecules, like I'm I'm hyper aware and sensitive of those particular ones. When I smell them on the street, it's just like it's so it just pierces my brain. And the funny thing is, I think the aim is to be sensual and attractive and sexy. And it, honestly, it's like the complete opposite for me. I find it so unattractive. Mm-hmm. I find it so unsexy. Like if a guy comes near me wearing like screeching, you know, woody amber notes, I'm like, go away. Yeah, it's it's too much. Mm-hmm. So. I think for me, that's one of my hot takes. They're just, they're just, they're present essentially in every new release, designer mm-hmm. men's fragrance that comes out. So mm-hmm. I think I'm just like, I'm, I'm over it. I'm over it.
0: What would be a scent that if you smelled on another man, you'd be like, oof? like what is that? What do you find so sexy?
1: Oh God. Um, honestly. And <laughs> it's really funny <laughs> because I, I will say, I think Le Labo are slightly overhyped um, and overrated. But if I smell someone wearing Tain I kind of go crazy.
0: I fully agree with I fucking that. I love
1: Tay Noir.
0: I know. And there, you know what? It's there, it's I think I think we wanna say that Lalabo is like overrated just because of like what it's come to be associated with. Okay. But there yeah. are some bangers in that portfolio. No. Yeah, of course. And no. Tay Noir is uh, uh, like consistently like I will say I've talked about this on the on the podcast. If you haven't had a chance to smell it and I don't know how their distribution is internationally, mm-hmm. but our side Dusk is a fragrance that I would say rivals Té Noir very well, if you've smelled okay, it or not. I have not, no. Excellent, excellent fragrance. Actually, they're the episode that, that people will be hearing next, because I just interviewed okay, the perfumer and the founder, um, but that's neither here nor there. I interviewed them because I'm just so obsessed with this fragrance, I can't get enough. And to me, it has that same intoxicating quality of what I love about Té Noir.
1: Mm, okay, interesting. I have not smelled it, and I would love to smell it. I think you can't get it in Europe.
0: Yeah, okay, well, I guess you're going to have to come to New York then. I'm going to have to come
1: to New York, yeah.
0: You're going to have to come to New York and smell our side desk. Um,
1: Yeah, but no, 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 of course, Tainoir is absolutely, it's gorgeous. And my dad gifted me a bottle recently because I I recommended it to him because he was looking for Mm -hmm. a new signature scent. And mm-hmm. he said Oh, you he,
0: recommended the sexiest fragrance you could think of to your father?
1: <laughs> yeah, I did, actually. I did. And it's funny because... Yeah, a lot to unpack there. <laughs> a lot to unpack there. But it's uh, it's funny because his signature scent is my first scent memory. Like, it's my first mm-hmm. scent memory that I have. It's it's the smell that I will always just remember for as long as I live. And he wore, he still wears, uh, Bulgari Extreme. Do I don't know, know that.
0: It? I'm not so good with like the classic yeah. men's colognes. No, okay. I just haven't you know, had a reason to smell them. What does it smell like?
1: It's like, it's got like a black tea accord. Um, it's 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 juniper. It's free, fresh and citrusy and tea. It's it's divine. Mm. And that's why I recommended Tay Noir to him because I was like, I know he likes black tea accords. Right, I know he likes right. something fresh and kind of citrusy. I was like, we're going to try something figgy. Let's move towards Tain Noir. He just didn't connect to it. So he, he gifted me his bottle and I would never buy it for myself, but I wear it from time to time and I just love it so much. I love it so much.
0: Wow. Interesting. Okay. Wow. I love that. Um, so I feel like this leads me to the question, which is like, who do you want to be as a perfumer? What sort of fragrances? And obviously I know if you're working for a brand, imagine that you had your own line at Mm. the end of this, what sort of fragrances would you be creating? Who would be the ideal consumer if you can envision one in your mind or anything like that? Your vision board for your fragrances.
1: Yeah. Really interesting question. Um, for me, I use fragrance as a way to transform. I has, I think it has such a transformative effect. And from my years of working as a drag artist, it all kind of came back to transformation. When I performed and when I worked uh, in drag, I was always trying to get as far away from myself as, as humanly possible. And I think the scents that I want to create are are ones that will be transformative. They're going to make people feel completely different or that they can take on a completely different character for a day. I think that's really something that speaks so truly to me. And mm-hmm. I want to I want to be a bit disruptive. I find that really really sexy. I want to just make people smell things that they've not smelled before and and have experiences that they haven't had before. And I think ultimately who knows who who my my my, my dream demographic would be, but it's mm-hmm. it's someone who who wants to experiment who is open, who's curious, who wants to maybe wear something that's not the usual or or the norm, or just wants to have some fun. I think that's ultimately um, what I want to create. And something inherently queer, I think that's really important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm queer and I think it's really important that that is somehow translated through my work. Of course, I'm not going to make like smells of poppers or like yeah,
0: you know, yeah. this
1: kind of, I, I think it's that's it's a bit on the nose and it's kind of been mm-hmm. done before. But mm-hmm. I guess I'm just trying to figure out what my voice is when it comes to fragrance, I, I I kind of solidified that with the other creative work that I did. You know, my my drag alter ego, like I was so sure of who she was and what she wanted to say. And I think it's really exciting now to be in a new in a new space where I'm I'm finding my voice again. And yeah, I think it's like you're
0: finding yourself through fragrance in so many ways.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. But I think ultimately, I want to to make sense that are are transformative and and disruptive. That's kind of my goal.
0: Mm-hmm. So what does Persia smell like?
1: Oh my God. So Persia smells, well, P- Persia only wore one fragrance and it was uh, Experimentum Crucius by Eta Libre Do you know it?
0: No. I feel like you've stumped me with every fragrance. I'm like, okay, I don't know. Okay, I'm where where so I'll
1: sorry. Off. No. Uh, no, this is great. Yeah. Experimentum Crucius. It's in It's in the special edition. They have like the four line where they have like the, the, the red and gold bottles. It's one okay. of those. I know
0: that.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's super floral and it's super skanky. Uh, it, that's all I can kind of say. It's, is it comparable
0: um, to anything that like I or listeners might know?
1: Okay, so for me, okay, this is such a strange anecdote, but the first time I smelt Experimentum Crucius, I was immediately transported back to my grandmother's house. And mm-hmm. I it just, I could, I could, she was there. It was like a photorealistic vision of her Mm-hmm. She, her perfume mixed with her sweat. Like it was kind of animalic and a bit kind of sweaty, but also floral. And that's exactly how I felt when I smelled Experimentum Crucius for the first time. And I think mm-hmm. one that I would say is comparable, but not exactly similar, is um, For Her by Narciso Rodriguez. Do you know oh, it? Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, of course.
1: Kind of so like a,
0: l- a little like skanky musky. But exactly. Still floral. Skanky, musky,
1: kind of vintage, but modern. Yes. Um but, I love that. Yeah, and I think experiments and crucius for me is that, but it's like skanky, 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 which I love. Yeah, no, I think that's 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 what she wore. That was her smell. That's and beautiful. I gate I I was a gatekeeper of that fragrance too. People would ask me, like, what are you wearing? What are you wearing? And I wouldn't tell them.
0: Is this the debut or have you since told people what Persia? I never wears? told
1: anyone actually. This is the this is the worldwide exclusive.
0: Oh my god. Persia wore Experimentum crucius. So Persia hasn't made an appearance in Paris?
1: No, not yet.
0: Do you think, Persia and Paris just sounds fun, but do you think Persia I mean, it will ever...
1: so fun. Um, yeah. The thing is, I've been so busy. I've been so busy yeah. since I moved here, and I really haven't had a time. Like, I feel like I haven't even properly explored the city. And, like, I love Paris, and it's amazing, but I've been studying uh, so much and and so often. So,
0: mm-hmm. no, Persia
1: hasn't made an appearance here yet, but who knows? I think she should. I feel like yeah. she would fit in very well she in this city. She belongs in Paris, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so, too. Yeah.
0: So, what is your social life in Paris like?
1: My social life in Paris, I would say it's very much revolving around school at the moment. Uh, yeah. I, I go to school every day. I see my classmates. Um, so I live in Paris in the city and my school's in Versailles. So I have to travel for like an hour and a half every day to get to school. Wow. So I wake up super early. I get home pretty late. And yeah, if I have to study, then I'm just kind of studying. And at the weekends, I mostly just, it sounds so boring and lame, but I go to perfume stores and I just like peruse and I smell perfume all day. <laughs> like it truly never ends. It truly never ends.
0: I mean, listen, I live in New York City, another city where you think I'd be doing funner things and all I'm doing is like looking for perfume stores yeah, and smelling. Lots, so I, I fully I fully understand and agree. Um and I'll be in Paris soon. So yes, I'll link soon. up and and smell I'll give things. you some
1: recs. You have some recs already of stores?
0: I have a few, I've bookmarked what people have told me, but I'm okay, sure there are that I should, for sure. But I should know. Yeah. We have one last question before we move on to the final segment, which is how much longer are you in school for? And Do you plan to be in Paris when you graduate?
1: Yeah. So I've just, I'm basically nearing the end of my first year of of Mm -hmm. the master's, and it's been incredible. Uh, I have two more, two more years. So it's three in total. And ultimately, my goal is to work for a a big fragrance house or a big fragrance company. So after I finish and and graduate from this master's program, who knows where I'm going to be? I would probably love to do an internal training program at at a fragrance company. But yeah, I I actually see myself in Paris. I think I kind of mm-hmm. um, I feel good in the city. I feel like it's vibrant, it's it's moving, and of course, it's so it's so soaked in beauty and culture and fashion and history that I think it's very inspiring and romantic. And yeah, I, I love the city, so I think I would stay here for a bit. If not here in New York, I would love to go to New York.
0: We'd love to have you on behalf of New York. Please uh, yeah, come. of
1: course. In third year, I get to do an internship, like an IFF internship, and I really mm-hmm. want to go to New York. Like that's my, I want to, I want to do my internship in New York.
0: Put it out in the world. Let's start manifesting right here, right now. We're
1: manifesting it. We're manifesting it. Yeah, yeah.
0: For people who are listening and are like, "This sounds so cool," I want to go to perfumery school. What advice would you give them?
1: I would say, be open. It's something I keep saying, but I think it's so important because it's such a vast and wide world, and you're gonna encounter so many. Hiccups and it's going to be hard and it's going to be stressful and it's going to be all all of these things. But ultimately, it's so exciting. So just take every every moment how it comes. I think if you're really interested in 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 becoming a perfumer and you don't really know what to do or like where to go, I think uh, the master's program at I- is a Sipca is is a great idea. For me, I didn't see myself or I didn't feel like I had enough experience to immediately enter an internal training program. You know, I I could have applied to one of these big fragrance companies or houses, but I feel like I had, I had nothing at the time. I hadn't smelled any raw materials. I, I loved perfume, but that was about it. Like I had no experience whatsoever.
0: So Mm -hmm. I feel
1: the program at ISIPCA, it's incredible for so many reasons. You have access to like 800 materials that I would never have access to usually, you know, you meet Mm -hmm. people, you, you make contacts, you're in Paris and ultimately you're learning from amazing teachers. And yeah, you like the, the amount that I've learned in the last six months is actually kind of hard to comprehend like <laughs> physically and, and hypothetically like I've learned so much and I think it's just it's it's been such an exciting uh, process for me so yeah I would recommend anyone to do the course I think it's, it's really a, a great thing to do
0: well we're so excited for where your path ends up and for all the fragrances we have yet to smell that you will someday create Watch and with that space. we have watch the space we have one final segment of the show which is rapid fire scent association called what's that smell Yusuf, are you ready to play what's that smell yes
1: of course hit me Mm,
0: what's that smell what is the smell of paris
1: paris smells like butter and (laughs) tainoar actually it does it smells like croissant tainoar
0: That sounds like the best smell. Yeah. It's a little like Jodepo-ish. If I, if like like a little woody, buttery situation. Yeah. 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 Seriously, tons can't escape it. Um, Okay. What is the smell of um, Isipka?
1: Oh, interesting. Isipka smells like. Oh, wait,
0: you said Isipka and I said Isipka.
1: Oh, you you went on, you went back on your word.
0: Have I been saying it weird?
1: No, I say Isipka.
0: Okay, you what is Isipka. the
1: smell of Asipka? Asipka smells like hopes and dreams.
0: Oh, beautiful. <laughs> what is the smell of your hometown in Ireland?
1: My hometown in Ireland smells like stale beer and bacon bits.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and how would you compare that to the smell of Bahrain?
1: Oh, the smell of Bahrain was, oh, Bahrain is so fragrant. It constantly smelled like spice and oud and rose and heat. Yeah, that's the smell of Bahrain. It's so fragrant.
0: What is the smell of the most fragrant person in your life and who were they or who are they?
1: The most fragrant person in my life would definitely be my mother. My mother. And she is currently wearing Portrait of a Lady.
0: Portrait of a Lady. Okay. Yeah. What is the smell of romance?
1: Oh, for me, the smell of romance is the smell of, of skin and the smell of mm-hmm. musk. And yeah, there's actually, it's funny, funny enough, there's one raw material that I had like a knee jerk reaction to when I smelled it for the first time. And it's mm-hmm. costus. Have you ever heard of costus?
0: I have heard of costus, yes.
1: Okay. It's a really obscure raw material and note. It's not used very often, but it's honestly one of my favorites. It's, it's taken from the root of the costus plant. When I smelled it for the first time, I honestly I got like emotional. It smelled like the kind of semi greasy hair of my ex. Wow. You know that smell of of love of mu- of musk and of kind of like oily hair? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's actually what it it's so like.
0: it's so interesting you say that because a smell that I find most comforting in my whole life is the smell of my childhood stuffed animal which I still obviously mm-hmm. like ha- have in my bedroom drawer in my mom's house. And if I'm being honest, if I had to like be objectively analyzing what I'm smelling, it's probably like the smell of my hair grease because of
1: course, because you just it's like this it on like dirty stuffed animal that like
0: I sleep with like on the back of my head. Yeah, and there's something there. Yeah, there, we love these like sort of primal, slightly dirty. If it goes too dirty, it's it's gross. You know, no one wants to smell mm-hmm. like an actual like pile of shit. Mm-hmm. But people like things that are nods to just natural human smells. There's something so inherently comforting.
1: Of course. So, yeah, Costas is one to look at. It's actually like it's in overdose in Lamal and Kouros. So, if you know those two fragrances, they have oh. this kind of like dusty, musky sexiness. That's yeah. Costas.
0: Interesting. Okay, yeah, now I'm going to so re smell both of those. Ugh, I love those. I also love the smell of cacao. And like, I love yes. like the dusty, dusty a slightly powder. dusty. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Okay, abstractly, what is the smell of Persia?
1: Persia smells like. Rebellion and sex.
0: Hmm. And the final question, what is the smell of Yusuf Salah?
1: So Yusuf Salah currently smells like Fianna Gris by Serge Lutens, favorite scent of all time. He smells piney, Beautiful. he smells honeyed, he smells delicious.
0: Oh, I'm like thinking of fragrances I want to tell you offline when we end this podcast, but I think you need to smell. Um, Yusuf, it has been an absolute delight for people listening who want to follow along your journey. Where can they do so?
1: So you can find me on Instagram. I don't have a special, I was actually thinking of making a specialized Instagram account for all the behind the scenes life of a perfume student thing, but I just don't have the time. You can find me at at Y-O-U-E-E on Instagram.
0: Amazing. And do you go by Yui or do you name go It's a go nickname. But that's nickname been my handle Yui. for
1: like 15 years. It's my nickname. People call me Yui all the time, but yeah.
0: Yui. Yeah. I love it. Um, well, Yusuf, Yui, it has been a joy chatting with you. Um, I love getting a look into the inner workings and a daily life of a perfumery student in Paris.
1: It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Emma.
0: This podcast was edited by Joe Leonardo. Music is by Max Vernon and illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez.